Hi, and welcome to the Redeemer Church Podcast. I'm so glad that you're listening today. At Redeemer, we are committed to connecting people to God's transforming love, and I hope that this podcast is just one more way that you connect to God's presence this week. We are currently doing a 15-week study of the Gospel of John, and along with our weekend sermons, we also have daily devotionals that we're posting online Monday through Friday, and we also have a print version of that book available at the church you can pick up throughout the week by driving up through our front drive. So without further ado, here is week number six of our series with Senior Pastor Bill Clark. Happy Father's Day, and I want to give a special shout out to uh, John, Christy, Charles, and Mary in Cincinnati, New York, Portland, and Los Angeles. They were the best job I ever had. Thanks to Laurie for making it work. Seventh chapter of the Gospel of John revolves around an event called the Feast of the Tabernacles. In chapter 6, many of the followers of Jesus had already deserted him. It was a difficult time in Jesus' ministry, really a difficult time. He and his remaining followers were planning on going to the Feast of the Tabernacles, and so they went. But the feast was this unusual event. The feast was a, an annual event where people flocked to, to Jerusalem. Rabbis from all over Israel would come up and set up booths and tents if you can kind of imagine all these temporary structures at the Temple Mount, it probably looked a little bit like a Boy Scout jamboree with all these people and all these structures, thousands of people, hundreds of structures, and lots of preaching, teaching, and activities. But there was a problem. As early as chapter 5 and 6 of the Gospel of John, Jesus' identity had been revealed. He wanted to go to the feast incognito, but that didn't work. The religious leaders figured he would come and teach, and so they were already looking for Jesus. Jesus stayed hidden for a while, but there was a buzz about his appearing. The crowd broke into two distinct camps, those who said he was good and those who said that Jesus was a threat to the order, to the religious order of the time, and they despised his teachings. Halfway through the feast, Jesus went into the temple courts and he began to teach. He wowed the crowd. They had never heard anything like him. They'd never seen anyone like him. And even critics, even his critics marveled at what he said, especially since he hadn't attended any of the approved rabbinic seminaries of his time. In John chapter 7, verse 16, he said something that deeply disturbed the crowd, and especially the rabbis. He said, my teaching is not my own. It comes from him who sent me. Now, here's the problem with that to the listeners, to many of the listeners who were hearing Jesus that day. Jesus claimed he was speaking for God, not about God. Now, any rabbi at that time would have said, we speak about God, but we don't speak for God. That would be presumptuous. Jesus is making the presumption. Jesus is saying he's speaking for God, not about God. 
Now he was in big trouble with the wrong people. The feast had therefore been turned upside down. He'd thrown cold water on the party, at least from the standpoint of the religious leaders. It was bad enough that Jesus had even come. Now he was telling them he was God's spokesman. You couldn't finesse your opinion about this one. Hearkening back to C.S. Lewis's great trilemma, either this man, Jesus, was telling the truth or he was lying or perhaps he was crazy. There were three choices. You pick. For me, the heart of the text comes down to verses 37 through 39. On the last and the greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, if anyone is thirsty, remember those words, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. Now, Jesus is making a profound statement in this passage. And what he's saying is, it is only him, it is only the person of Jesus who can satisfy a person's thirst for God. It's offered to all humanity. It's offered to all who will come and drink. But only Jesus can satisfy the thirst of the human soul. It's an offer to all. But we have to receive it. Come and drink from the fountain of Christ, he said. Come and think, come and drink from my fountain. Jesus' words, his actions, and his personal authenticity point the way to the Father. And he makes an exclusive claim that he is the one speaking for God, not simply about him. Now you may say, and it would be a fair question, what if a person is not thirsty for God? I mean, surely there are people out there who are simply just not thirsty for God. It's a good question. And here's the answer from John 7. It's not my opinion. It's the Bible's opinion. Everyone has spiritual thirst. They may just not know it yet. Let me say that again. Everyone has spiritual thirst. They may just not know it yet. I really believe that. I really believe that the most disenchanted, disinterested, perhaps hardened person, whoever they are, wherever they are, has at some point in their life wondered the question, what if there is a God? And to pursue this further, it's the spirit that causes that question to be asked. That doesn't just come from within us sort of automatically. This is, a, this is something that's prompted by God. And if this is right, then God has given up on no one. God gives up on no one. 
And even more, God can take any eventuality, any occasion, good or bad, to cause a person to reach out to God through the Spirit's work. And this Spirit, this Spirit will inevitably always point back to Jesus. I can't help but make an application for the days that we're living in. Tension is all around us. Fear has set in for a lot of folks. These are days we've never experienced, and we pray we will never experience again. But God is allowing something to happen for a reason. Perhaps this is our wake-up call. Perhaps this is God's way of making us deeply, deeply thirsty for Him. On the cross, fast-forwarding to John chapter 19, to the next to the last chapter of the Bible, the chapter about Jesus on the cross dying, His last words were, it is finished. It's done. It's over. It's finished. And he breathed his last. But the words right before tie back, I believe, to John chapter 7. And he was very cognizant of this when he said them. Jesus said, I thirst. I thirst. Now, certainly, after the grueling day he'd experienced and night, he was clearly thirsty. But he was also saying, tying back to John chapter 7, I thirst. I thirst for God. I thirst to be with my Father. I thirst to remain in His presence, to be back with Him. I thirst for the living God. I don't know about you, but I could at times just almost want to scream about this virus thing. I'm so tired of it. I'm so tired of it. But when I'm in the stream of the Spirit, I have feelings other than simply being weary. I have a feeling of a deep thirst a deep thirst for the living God. I'm not that way all the time. But when I'm filled with the Spirit, I really thirst for God. The purpose of this long trial eludes us. We don't know how long it'll last. We don't know when it will end. We don't know how bad it will be. We don't know when we can be back together again. We have more questions than answers. But my encouragement is to use this time to engage your thirst for the living God. Don't waste this moment to engage your thirst for the living God, the one who comes to us, the one who loves us, the one who cares for us. Engage your thirst. Tell God how thirsty you are for him, and he will respond. Would you pray with me, please? Oh, God, thank you. Thank you for your word. 
Thank you for the daring of Jesus to go to the Feast of Tabernacles, knowing he'd be spotted, knowing he would encounter resistance. Thank you for his words to us about thirsting, about thirsting for the living God. And Lord, may we draw ever closer to you in these days. And in our frustrations and times of worry and fear, would you help us to channel that into a different direction, into the direction of your loving arms. Make us thirsty. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Once again, thank you for listening to the Redeemer Church Podcast. To stay connected to all that God is doing here at Redeemer, visit our website at RedeemerTulsa.org or connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Have a blessed week.